0: Hello friends, this is Frederick Henry on the Frederick Henry Podcast Show, my first show on Anchor. I have put quite a bit of material into Spreaker, Spreaker, however you say it, it's a difficult name for me. But I wanna just uh, congratulate my dear friend, uh, Don Bongino. I wanna uh, congratulate my dear friend, Leo Terrell, and others who have interviewed uh, President Donald Trump. And I appreciate all the questions, except I'm gonna take a little bit of an antagonistic viewpoint here. Not because I'm antagonistic. I happen to be a 100% Trump supporter. I believe in MAGA, uh, Make America Great Again. I believe in Keep America Great. I believe in America First. I believe that Donald John Trump was the greatest president of our current era, and he will be president again, my prayer. And I think when he is president again, he will do a MAGA and keep America great and America first all over again, and undo the terrible harm that's being done by the Biden administration. However, just in reflection here, I want to ask pertinent questions, which I think people like Don Bongino and the Still Report, and Black Conservative Patriot, and um, others who have been able, Laura, uh, Laura Ingram. Who have been able to interview the President of the United States, what they may be able to ask him, which is new and different. And my first question is: Did the President, uh, does the President, let's put it this way, does the President feel at this point that maybe in the beginning of his administration, uh, he could have done a better job in building bridges? with the liberals. I'm talking about the New York Times, I'm talking about Nancy Pelosi, I'm talking about people like that, because I remember that the uh, head of the New York Times visited President Trump after he had been inaugurated, and I understand that that meeting did not go well, and that forever after that date, the New York Times was anti-Trump. I remember seeing the video of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer Uh, visiting with the president during the early days of his administration and having Nancy Pelosi. As much as I dislike her, I have no uh, honor for Nancy Pelosi. But I do remember this one vignette where she said, Mr. President, do you really want to talk about those things in public? And the president said, well, if we can't talk about it in public, we shouldn't talk about it at all. And I appreciated uh, Donald Trump's, the president Donald Trump's response, But in hindsight, I asked, was that a set point where he um, drew a line in the sand and said, I will never and cannot ever uh, cooperate with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer on anything? And was that their set point and the New York Times set point and the Washington Post uh, set point in saying that they will never, ever be able to work with Donald Trump because he will not negotiate any kind of comedy with them. Comedy, C-O-M-M, comedy with them. And I wonder if, Mr. President, could that have been a mistake? And may you have been more successful if you took a posture of conciliatoriness and cooperation and collaboration as far as your ethical position would allow you with these entities, the uh, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the entities uh, uh, associated with them? Or did you feel that there is no possibility for a purist, an honest man like yourself, a man of deep integrity and deep honesty and deep integrity, uh, there is no point at which you can uh, associate with and uh, um, work with and collaborate with, and um find common ground with these entities was that the right decision sir or do you think that maybe in a new term in a new administration in 2024 you might be able to find some place in the middle maybe maybe before mr president maybe in in the last election when you were elected president there was no place where you and they could have common ground. But a lot of things have changed, including your first presidency and the Biden presidency, and then the 24 presidency, which we hope that you will be re-elected to the office of president. Maybe things have changed enough so that you can now um, make common ground with the New York Times and the Washington Post and and CNN and other entities like that. Although they're lying networks and although they're... Um, uh, bad journalism, maybe because of what you did in your first term, there is a, a place, a place, a small place indeed, but a place where you may be able to at least put one foot and cooperate and collaborate with them to bring the truth to the American people for the welfare of the American people and the advancement of the American dream in our day. Friends, the second question I would like to add these people like Black Conservative Patriot or Don Bongino or Laura Ingram or Sean Hannity or the Still Report, if they had opportunity, they're so much bigger than I am. I'm just a little guy in, in the woods here. Uh, to ask the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, is, sir, in the early part of your administration, we saw a lot of defections in your appointments. We had the Scamucci, we had Amorosa. And the question occurs to me, what about your organizational ability to vet or to uh, uh, screen uh, people who work in your administration? Now, I, I believe, sir, and I believe that this is correct, that as a corporate executive, you expected people who you hired Uh, into the corporation, which is the presidency, to adhere to and to advance and to enhance and to support the directives of the chairman of uh, of the corporation, the president, executive office of the corporation. This is the way it works in corporate America, that a person who wants to be in the corporate structure interviews in support of the executive director, in support of the objectives of the corporation, and fully dedicated to enhancing and advancing those objectives, the objectives of the corporation. But when you entered government, you found out that people like Scaramucci and and others uh, did not intend to advance the goals and the objectives of the executives. But they thought they would do what they wanted to do, and they would enact whatever they wanted to enact. And if that undermined the vision of the executive, so be it, because this is government, and we don't have to do what the executive tells us to do. And so we had a lot of in the beginning, the first two years mainly, and maybe even with the Attorney General, uh, Barr, and all the rest of them, maybe all of these people, all were hired uh, by you with the belief on your part that they were supportive and collaborative, and cooperative with the goals and objectives of your administration as set up in your goals and objectives statement, but in fact, they were antagonistic to it and would undermine it for their own uh, petty political uh, positions. And so, uh, sir, if you were to be elected in 2024, what kind of new uh, analysis organization, what kind of new vetting what kind of new examination of appointees would you institute to correct this obvious flaw? I believe it, sir. I'm going to say it right now. you can be angry with me for saying it in an interview, sir. But obviously a flaw in the way in which you uh, brought people onto your uh, team, team. A third question I would like to ask the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, is about street fighting. Now, Mr. President, let me just make an introduction. I I was born and raised in Manhattan. I was born to a a, a middle-class family in a rental apartment in the upper Manhattan section, the Kingsbridge section. I know about the street. I know about the neighborhood. I know about street fighting. I know about the rules. And so I remember as a child in New York City that one of the ways you defeated your enemies was to put up a tag on them, to give them a name like sissy or fag or creep or mama's boy, uh, all kinds of other um, names that we could attempt to tag onto someone and thereby defeat them because they would forever be known as the sissy, the fag, the mama's boy uh, and so forth. And so the question is, sir, many people perceived your tweets and many people perceived your positions vis a vis other people as being mean spirited and too much of the street. And I wonder, as you reflect on that and name tagging people and trying to categorize them or pigeonhole them into a situation where they were known, this one's a, a, a creep, this one's a fag, this one's a, um, a non-cooperative, whatever the phrases are, a mama's boy, I forget all the ones that we could have used in my childhood. And I, I, I too, I, I admit, Mr. Uh, sir, uh, that I notice in your uh, monological statements about other people that you categorize them or... Uh, um, tag them with a particular uh, sociological and cultural position, and that's all fair and dandy in the normal affairs of politics. But the times are changing, and now we have the racists and the the anti semites and the whites and the blacks and all kinds of other labels that we're playing uh, that we're placing upon people and their lives and their politics. And so, if you were to reinstitute yourself and get reelected, have rallies and become uh, president of the United States again in 2024, is there any way that, first of all, do you agree? Which I, I believe you're going to say no. And secondly, if you do agree, how can that, uh, Without you don't have to tell me you agree, but how can it be um, uh, helped? How can we help the tagging and the name-calling, the stereotyping of people because you yourself were tagged as Red Man or Orange Man Bad. Everybody else good, Orange Man Bad. And everybody else good because of your hair color, your hairstyle. They tagged you, like we did in New York City, Orange Man Bad, Other Guy Good. So uh, how can we overcome that in political discourse? And how can you, in a new term, Twenty Twenty Four contribute to not having that uh, that um, methodology of of interaction between each other uh, in 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 the community of politics and faith. So okay, so how can we overcome that? And if we have to use it, how can we use it to the best of its technological ability? Thank you very much, sir. This is Frederick Henry, you're listening to the Frederick Henry podcast on Anchor, the podcast station. A fourth uh, issue I would like to raise with President Trump for an opportunity is to ask him about the centrality of himself, his name, and his policies and positions to everything that opposed him. We had the never-Trumpers, we had the anti-Trumpers, we had the resistance, And we had various and sundry groups against Trumpism. And I recognize that there are various factors, this is a huge topic, but I wonder, Mr. President, since it all revolves around yourself, your personality, your tweeting, your positions, your policies, your leadership, your exemplary integrity, And so you have the anti-Trumpers and never-Trumpers and the resistance and so forth, all these people. How can you overcome that, if at all? It it may be that you are a lightning rod for what I just mentioned, anti-Trumpism, never-Trumpism, never-Trump, anti-Trump, and so forth. Orange man, bad, all that kind of thing. That hatred and pettiness and um, inferiority uh, uh, was able to mix up against you and, and, and stir up against you. However, those are factors that have to be faced in the next election, 2024. How do we overcome? Now, you overcame it with MAGA rallies, you overcame it with Keep American Great rallies, Twenty five, thirty thousand, forty thousand, fifty thousand 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people. I think the highest number was 70,000 people in Florida came out to see you or in the overflow crowds. And that, it would seem, would have been enough to overcome the anti-Trumpism, the never-Trumpism, uh, the orange man bad uh, syndrome, the uh, uh, Donald Trump derangement syndrome, all that kind of thing. But how can you make a conscious decision now, and are you willing to make a conscious decision now, and you don't have to reveal it, but there is there a way in which you believe other than by your own excellence and by keeping your promises, promises kept, uh, promises made, promises kept. I'm sort of answering my own question that there is no way to um, stop this kind of thing, but I I put it out here as a suggestion. Should you have a whole entire team working on the never-Trump, anti-Trump, Derangement syndrome uh, aspect of your leadership, because your leadership is exemplary, and I, for one, hold it up as the best leadership I've seen in my lifetime. And I'm seventy-three years old. Sorry, I'm seventy-four. I'm seventy-four years old. God bless me. But um, how can we overcome this? We have uh, Chuck Schumer, we have Nancy Pelosi, the New York Times, the Washington Post, um, the resistance. Then we had the persistence. And how do we how do we make it better? in 2024. And so, friends, this is the fi- the very first podcast of the Frederick Henry Show, which I'm podcasting on Anchor. And I hope to be able to connect this Anchor podcast to a WordPress site that I have because Anchor is advertising the ability to easily connect an Anchor podcast site to a website website. Uh, WordPress website, a written site. I think if we could do the words and the audio together uh, and and put them out there, people would be better informed. As I said, this is my very first. It's a political podcast. It's meant to ask, uh, I believe, new and dynamic and exciting questions of President Donald J. Trump and try to open up new possibilities and avenues for him and for the rest of us as we think about him his presidency, and potentially his presidency in 2024. So thank you very much for listening. And this is Frederick Henry, and I'll be looking forward to sharing with you again in the near future. Thank you very much for listening to the Frederick Henry Podcast Show. Friends, thank you for listening. This is Frederick Henry of the Frederick Henry Show, and I just want to ask the question today, relative to whether or not President Trump actually did win the election and Joseph Biden was installed by the power structure and whether or not uh, this can be corrected.